0: So for me, uh, over the years, I've been asked many questions about uh, faith, God, and the Bible. And there's a few of them that's really stood out, but I remember one that's kind of kept coming up often when I was uh, in different areas of ministry was was, uh, questions uh, of people wondering whether they were still Christians. I remember there was a student one time that came to me, and I was talking to them, and they said, Kevin, I'm really struggling with something. I said, okay, what is it? They said, I, I, I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. I said, okay, all right, tell me more about that. They said, well, a few years ago, I know I, I, know I put my faith in Christ, but, but now I don't feel the same way I felt then. And I'm also still doing some things that are not good and not right. I don't feel like, I, I, I'm still sinning. And so at that point, what I started getting understanding is where they're feeling and struggling with, the question they were really asking was, will God still forgive me if I keep on sinning? Uh, also, another, another thing I remember that uh, during that season, I was a substitute teacher uh, for a period of time. I was a student ministry and on, I had Fridays off. And so on Fridays, I would go and substitute teach in, in the local high school. And in that, it was a great opportunity for me to get connected with, with students and kind of talk to them. And they all knew that I was a youth pastor and, and all that, so they would ask me questions. But I remember one day I was substitute teaching in a health class, and, and there was a guy that came to me afterwards. He said, he said um, you're, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah, I work at a church down the road. And he said, let me tell you about this tattoo that I'm going to get. I said, okay, Yeah and he showed me a picture he had drawn, and it was a picture of these hands that were praying, and underneath it, it said, will God accept me? Will he accept me? And in that moment, I was, I, I just, my heart broke for him because what I started seeing is that this is, this is a pattern of who we are, and, and for many of us today, we may be struggling with some of these same questions. We may be looking at our lives and thinking, maybe I've done too much or gone too far, and, and maybe God's not gonna accept me. Or maybe you're struggling here today because you you've placed your faith in Christ when you were younger or a few years ago, and and during this season, you just feel disconnected with God and you wonder, is he still going to forgive you? Today, I hope we can really get some clarity on this. We're we're launching off a new series called Forgive and Forget. And this week, I'm going to be focusing more specifically on, on the idea of God's forgiveness. The next couple of weeks, Tim's gonna be looking at forgiving yourself and forgiving others. But in that, we, we, it, really, it really comes this question of, God, how much do you love me? And if you love me, do you love me enough to forgive me even if I keep on sinning? Even if I keep doing the things that I've done before? And so the main point and the bottom line that I wanna look at today is this. And it says, God's love is so big that through Jesus, all our sins past, present, and future are forgiven. God's love is so big that through Jesus and what he's done, all our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. And this getting this concept and understanding this, it's so huge for our life. It's so big because if we get that, all our sins are forgiven, it can shape and change how we live our lives. A a verse that I think really has stood out to me that kind of helps exemplify this is Romans 5.8. It says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, in understanding God's love and that it's so big and that it can forgive all all our sins, the concept here that I love is that we were sinners when Christ died for us. You know, for us, it's, it's easier to do things for people, big things, caring things for people that we love and care about, that are good to us and that like us. It's difficult to be mean to someone who really likes you and cares about you. But yet, we... As sinners, God still chose to love us. This is a verse I encourage you. Maybe this week, write it down, memorize it. It's, a, it's, it's an awesome verse. But when we look at the, why he did this and how he did this and what this is about, it's, it comes down to the understanding that, that in Christ and through Christ, by putting your faith in Jesus, what he's done, all our sins are forgiven. Rick Warren, a well-known pastor, said it this way. He said, God's forgiveness and grace is bigger than anything wrong you've ever done or will do. Now, granted, this is something that can be troubling for a a lot of us. It it is something that that as we look at our lives and begin thinking about, God, okay, so you can forgive everything and all the time, and if I keep doing the same things, and part of that reason is, is that God operates on a completely different level than us. There are things in my life that for me to be able to forgive someone regularly, and we're gonna get more into that next few weeks, but if I do that regularly, it's hard. But God is different. God's character and essence and who he is, is is, is so, it's such a a huge difference for us. Let me give you an example. There are really three areas, three kind of characteristics of God that I wanna focus on now. Now there's tons of characteristics of God that are awesome, but three that help me really grasp this and understand this. The first one is this is that God is perfect and we are not. You see, God is perfect. He's a creator of the universe. He created the world. He determines right and wrong, and I'm not. So from my perspective on forgiveness and all of those comes and is shaped by the fact that, that God responds perfectly. I don't. In fact, there's so many times that, that uh, in my life when there's a healthy Kevin Uh, I respond in grace and love and I'm dependent upon Christ and I'm walking to him and I'm I'm, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit of God to to guide me, direct me. But there's other times when I'm stressed or anxious or things are going on and I'm an unhealthy Kevin. And in that time, I may respond to my wife with, with a snarky comment or something that's not nice or my kids in a way that's not as loving or kind. You see, I struggle in that because I'm not perfect and I'm in need of restoration. But God is perfect. He'll never respond in that way. And for us to understand that about him allows us to begin to get and know, all right, God, you're bigger than my sin. The second thing is God knows all things and he still chooses to forgive us. He knows all things and he still chooses to forgive us. That, that to me, knowing that he knows all of my sins, he knows all of the things that I do, he knows all of the, the he knows what I'm gonna be doing next month and next, next year that might hurt someone or hurt me. And in that process, God knows that, but still loves me enough to send his son Jesus to die in my place. That's how he proved his love for me. The third thing is God loves us more than we can imagine. He loves us more than we can imagine. I kind of look at it like this. The perspective of us us, us truly understanding God's love compared to how we know love is, is such a huge gap. For me, the way that I love the people that I'm closest to or, or the people that I care about the most, that's, that's a level that's, that, that's, that's different than other people. But to try to explain to us the gap between how much God loves us and how much we can love is like trying to explain to two five-year-old kids, a boy and a girl sitting in a sandbox playing, they're great friends, they're trying to figure out uh, you know, who's gonna be this person putting the sand on top of the other head. But trying to explain to those two kids what it's like for someone to be married for 50 years and walk alongside each other through the hurts and struggles and and pains of life and to still love each other. Those five-year-old kids cannot understand that and they may never, but the idea for us is to really truly understand the immense love that God has for us is kind of like that gap. We can't always see it and we can't always experience it in that way. And as we look at these three things, they stand out to me, they show us that God operates on a different level. Than, than, than we ever do. Uh, we're not perfect. We don't know all things and we don't love the same capacity that God does. That's why we think about forgiveness. We think about it with the mindset that comes from our perspective of how difficult and hard it is. And we put that on God, that it's difficult for God. And yet God operates on a completely different level. So as, as we look at these things, there's really two different kinds of forgiveness we're gonna focus on. The first one uh, that I wanna look at and focus on today is called positional forgiveness. Now, this type of forgiveness is also known as judicial forgiveness. It's the idea that God is a judge, will forgive our sins, all of them. Our position or standing with God is made right because of what he's done through Jesus and what Jesus has done on the cross, not because I've earned favor with God. My position is made right with him. Uh, this is, the second kind is relational forgiveness. Now, relational forgiveness is when someone does something to hurt someone else, and yet they seek that restoration of that relationship. Uh, Pastor Tim is going to, over the next two weeks, be looking at that side of, of forgiveness. Today, we're going to focus mainly on the positional or judicial forgiveness of God. Understand that positionally, all our sins are paid for, past, present, and future And that's why we are perfectly justified in God's eyes. Now, it's important important to understand here that this is not God as a judge standing before us, us saying, all right, you've committed these crimes. Ah, forget about it. Don't worry about it. That's not the forget that we're talking about and forgive and forget. It's not just, oh, don't worry about it. It's, there still is a price to be paid. There still is a requirement for forgiveness. And this is something I hope, hope we catch, because if we really understand what this requirement is, it helps us to get the foundation of, of how much God loves us. It's not that God just erases your sin. He does forget about it. Uh, later on, we'll talk about that more. But the idea is, is it's not just a, I don't worry about it, you're good, just go. There is a, there is a cost for that. God requires something for us to be forgiven that to me sounds strange and it can be troubling. And it really is a concept that that, that we have to wrestle with a little bit. So we're gonna look at the book of Hebrews to learn more about this. Hebrews 9.22, it says this. It says, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. All right, now this is a hard concept it, it's tough, it's one of those things, but if we look at like Romans 6.23 and it talks about the wages of sin is death, we realize that what we've done, because God is perfect and we're not, there's a separation there. A, a perfect God can't live with imperfect people. And, and the payment for sin is not just saying don't worry about it, it's understanding that there's a price and a cost to be paid. And when you think about the idea of, of, of Blood. It's one of those things that, you know, we we do blood drives. In fact, we have a blood drive here tomorrow that all the slots filled up. And I love that because what it is is blood drives are saying, I understand that my blood can give life to someone else. I understand that I can save a life through the blood that I give. Uh, And and in that, that mindset and concept of life and death is, is because of that. In the Old Testament, the shedding of blood generally took the form of animals at that time, and it it was one of those where they would, the animal would pay for the penalty of the offense on a temporary level, allowing the offended party to receive forgiveness. But it did not solve the problem. That's why you see a shift in the Old Testament to the New Testament. It didn't solve the problem. Hebrews uh, 10.4 says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Because it, for, for animals, it was just a temporary covering. It was not a complete payment of sin. It was not one that could be uh, paid for because even though animals don't sin, they can't stand in the place of someone who does. And so it was just a temporary. Now, uh, this next verse is one that I think really explains what the writer of Hebrews wanted to get out. And the writer of Hebrews uses the example of a high priest now, back in this day, the priests would, would do, perform uh, these sacrifices on a regular basis because it was uh, helped uh, do that temporary covering or the looking forward to of the forgiveness of when Christ would come, the Messiah would come. But here in verse 11, it says this. Every priest, and I love this idea, this this imagery here, is this stands day after day, ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. And I love this idea of standing. You see, the reason the priest was standing is because their job was never finished, Uh, They were never done. It was a continual thing they were going to have to do in order to continue to cover sins. You had to continually go to the priest on a regular basis. This is something because in the Old Testament, the people that lived before Christ looked forward to God sending uh, the Messiah to come to pay for sins. Today, we're in the, the New Testament where we look back upon what Christ has done to pay for our sins. And so the imagery here that the Hebrew writer uses is really pretty fascinating. Because in this, and it's really clear, and this, it talks about how the priest stands day after day. Now, it's the next verse that I think is when he jumps in and shows the actual, uh, the part of this that I love so much. And it says this, and it's talking about Jesus and compares Jesus to the high priest. And it says, but this man, referring to Jesus after offering one sacrifice, not day after day after day after day, but one sacrifice for sins forever, past, present, and future, he did what? He sat down at the right hand of God. And this imagery from standing to sitting really shows and explains the idea that the standing, the job is not done. The sitting is when Christ shows the completeness of the fact that he has paid in full the price for our sin. And I love that thought. This is something when I remember when I first heard, I was like, wow, I get it. It makes sense. And so as we look at this part of it, we see in verse 14, it continues. It says, "Uh, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. So by one offering, one time, his death on the cross and resurrection gives us life. It's one time. He doesn't have to keep doing it over and over. One time covers my sins in the past, present, and future. And this is where our position of forgiveness is made complete. See, Christianity is actually the only religion where you cannot earn your way to heaven. We are not holy because we are good enough. God is perfect and we're not. We are perfect because we're made perfect and perfected because of our faith in who Jesus is and that he's paid the price for all of our sin. And all of our sin is removed because of what Christ has done on the cross. And so once you place your faith in Jesus as the one who stood in that place and stood in our place, we begin to see now that that payment is completed and the position of forgiveness is now made final. The next verse here, verse 15, it says the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. I love this because it, it puts the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit in the process of our salvation of the fact that we are now made complete in God. The Holy Spirit confirms that that what Christ did is the final sacrifice. He confirms that what Christ does uh, allows us to be made perfect in Him. And and with that understanding, we see the Holy Spirit is given to us as believers to live out that life. Now, uh, even though we have this position of forgiveness, we can still go on sinning. And that's the part that gets complicated. But for us to understand and get the position of, uh, of our forgiveness is sealed, is completed, it's done, that's incredible. But let me explain by continuing the story of the student I was talking to uh, earlier. So as I was talking to this student, they began to ask the question, all right, will God still forgive me? And, and as we began to talk, I reminded them of the fact that, all right, uh, how they were made right in God in the first place. And I said, all right, let me ask you a question. So when you placed your faith in Christ back a few years ago, what made you right with God then? Well, I put my faith in who Jesus is and he died on the cross for me and I trusted that he paid for my sins. I said, okay, so what's changed between that point and to to now? I said, well, nothing's changed some, I'm doing better in some ways, but I, I keep on sinning. Okay, and then I said, well, if you were accepted by God in spite of your sin before, and the fact that you were sinning, you uh, were not living completely the way God designed, you, you, there, there's a, a disconnect between you and God. God accepted you there. Then why would he, and that means at that point, Christ had died for you, your past, present, and future sins. Why at that point then would God reject you for the sins that he's already paid for on the cross? Why would he reject you in the future for what you do tomorrow if it's already paid for? Because you put your faith and trust that Jesus is, has and will and has taken care of that sin. And I could see at that moment it started to click with them a little bit. And they began to get and understand that, 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 that their standing with God was not based upon their ongoing behavior. It was based upon their faith in Jesus, who he was, what he's done and how that was made complete in their life. And so I began to tell them, I said, this means you don't have to keep asking forgiveness in order to have your standing and relationship with God uh, as complete, meaning that there is a point in your life when you cross over from death to life, from being uh, uh, separated from God to restored from God. At that point, you don't need to keep asking forgiveness to to make sure that that's still good and that's still valid and that's still there. I said, however, uh, we are still a work in progress. There's a process that's still taking place in our life. And because of that, one of my favorite verses comes from Philippians 1.6. And it says this, I'm sure of this, that he who, meaning Jesus, who started a good work in you will carry that on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in this verse, I was like, understand we are a work in process. There's a process happening. There's there's progress being made. We want to become more like Christ in the way we live and the way we love. But there are times this side of heaven until Christ returns, we are still going to sometimes sin. Knowing that we don't have to hold on to that guilt and that shame at the same time, it means that there is still a disruption in a relationship. It's not, our final payment's done. We can have hope that we have a forever place with God in heaven because of what Christ has done. But this can still be a little difficult concept to understand because it's it's not how we operate and how we do all of this. You see, for me, I think that helps me explain this as an example of a parent and child. Understand, most examples we give comparing our examples of, of, of a person to God fall short. But the idea of a parent and a child here is this is that many times in relationship with a parent and child, there are things that hurt each other. These relationships can be scarred and can feel broken. And no matter how bad you hurt each other though, it doesn't still change the fact that you're still the mother or the father, and they're still the son or the daughter. But, and so, so that part is consistent. What sometimes is not consistent is the fact that there needs to be a restoration of the daily relationship. And so for us, uh, understanding that can be difficult at times, and that's where the struggle of this, this student was. A couple examples uh, came from when I had someone, I was really young as a parent. Uh, they told me some things, uh, questions to ask my, my, my kids when they were about two and about three and about four years old. And so there were two key questions that I started asking them, the first one was this. I'd say, does your dad love you more when you're good or when you're bad? Now, I asked that question because their response the first few times was always, well, you love me more when, when uh, I'm good. You love me more when I'm, I'm doing good. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, I, I do love you when you do good, but I want you to know that I love you all the time, whether you're good or you're not listening or bad. I remember one time asking David, I said, David, do you, do, does your daddy love you more when you're good or bad? He said, dad, you love me when I'm good and when I'm bad and when I'm happy and when I'm sad and when I'm glad and when I'm mad. I'm like, yep, you got it. Okay, good. Uh, but the, the thing about that is, is I would want them to know that their behavior didn't determine whether I love them or not. But then I began thinking, wait a minute here. They, they may not always see that because As a parent, there are many times I have been frustrated with my kids. My, as what you could say, stress level or emotional cup is a little overflowing, and so therefore, they may not listen, and by asking them 10 times to put their shoes on because we have to go, I may not respond in that way, and for them to begin to understand, all right, do you love me? Are you not loving me now? So I began to ask this question. I said, how do you know your dad loves you? How do you know? At first, they responded with this, like most of us would do, because you tell me. You feed us, you give us a place to live, you hug us. You pray for us. I said, yeah, all those things are great. Those are, are actually the responses that I give because I do love you. But what happens when I don't show those things? I are not able to do those things. I respond in frustration. I, I live out the imperfect life as a father that I am. And, and at that point, they're gonna question if they base whether I love them and they know I love them on how I respond. <clears throat> and so my response was this, here you go. Um, I said, well, the reason you can know that I love you, the reason that I love you is that you are my sons. You are my sons. And I said, because of that, you can know that will never change. I will always love you. That will never change. You see, God is that way with us, but much bigger and better and, uh, than showing us than I ever will. And God loves us because when we place our faith in Jesus we become his. John 1:12 says, "But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name." You see, as his children, we are his and that will never change. He doesn't love us more if we sin or don't sin, but our relationship with him is impacted by our sin. We can still hurt or damage that relationship. If we withdraw from him. we can miss out on the opportunities and blessings and the things that God has for us. We can live out of that context of how God designed for us and miss what God wants and best for our lives. So now we can go to him, though, and go to him and tell him, look, we messed up. Because my standing is right, he knows all things, he knows everything I'm gonna do, nothing I say to him is gonna shock him. If you are living in a place in your life where you're struggling with some things and you know you're operating out of what God wants you to do, you can go to him, you're not gonna surprise him. And the great thing about this is in Christ, he's already paid for that sin. There's not judgment there, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus anymore. And because of that, just like that relationship between a parent and a child is strengthened, when forgiveness is sought, we too can have a strengthened relationship with God when we seek Him daily. Now, uh, there's this, uh, that's a process that we want to keep doing. That's another level. Our standing of God doesn't change. But in the Old Testament, there is a, there's a, a one of my favorite characters is David, named my son after him. But David was a, was a man who, who struggled, He sinned. He had great and big, huge sins, things that were far worse than things we'll probably ever think or do. But in that, he was also known as a man after God's own heart. He was known as a man after God's own heart. And in that, I think maybe one of the reasons he was known for that was because of some of the psalms he wrote. A psalm that I've put on my heart and looked at and prayed through on a regular basis comes from Psalm 139. It says this. It says, search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And boy, now during this season of life, our anxiousness is there. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You see, for me each day to wake up and know my position is secure in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, I have a relationship with God, it's been restored. But daily, I can seek to restore that. Restore that as far as the personal daily ongoing relationship, becoming more like Christ in the way I live and then the way I love. More and more each day. My prayer is that next year I'll love more than I did this year. Next month, in the same circumstance I face, I pray that I will, I will show more patience and kindness and goodness and show that love more than I did now. That happens because of the Holy Spirit living in my life. They're able to transform me. You see, I'm not made complete and right just because I'm trying harder and I'm better at it. It's because of the work that God is doing in and through my life. You know, we should have that heart that says, God, I'm thankful for knowing I'm your child and that'll never change. But in the middle of this, I want to also know there are things and times I can hurt you. And God, I want to make sure you have a free reign. Look at my heart, look at my life. Is there anything I'm doing that's hurting others or hurting you? Show me so I can live for you. It's a great prayer to pray as we look at that. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray. And, and then we're gonna, gonna have a song. It's called Forgiven by David Crowder. And my, my prayer is that you'll stop for a few moments. You'll close your eyes and you'll reflect on why this is so important to get and understand this. Why does it matter that we get and know that our position in Christ is forgiven forever? And it's this. It's this, it's one, it's it's knowing that we have a complete forgiveness of what Christ has done on the cross. It is complete, it is finished, past, present, future sins. Shame does not have to hold over our lives. It doesn't have to debilitate us and keep us from living the way God designed. We can have that completeness. We can have that forgiveness. And the second is we are in process and God's still working on us. So the next time you're sitting there struggling and you're dealing with it and you're looking and think, I can't believe it, I'm still falling in the same pattern of sin. Here's the thing to remember. As you struggle with that, know that before Christ, you probably didn't struggle with it. That's a good sign. If you're struggling with how those things, go to God and say, search my heart, make me more like you. Pray that your Holy Spirit will help guide me in your truth that I can live out the way that you've designed for me to live. And know that I will seek you daily. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your grace, your truth, your love, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness. God, you're a God who loves us bigger than we can ever imagine, greater than we'll ever see. Lord God, I pray that as people are listening right now, that there'll be people here today that begin to say, God, I want to have a restored relationship with you. I want to know that through Christ, I am forgiven always past, present, future sins. God, maybe there are people today that have placed their faith in you a while ago. They've been Christians for a long time, but maybe they're in a, a tough place or a tough spot. And they simply wanna know, God, that you continually love them regardless of their behavior. Your love doesn't change. You want the best for them. You want us to know you. But God, in that, you love us. We thank you, God, for everything you've done. For your son, Jesus Christ, and for your Holy Spirit that lives in and through our lives. God, may you, may you continually work through all of us that your kingdom may be known and that people may know you and experience you the way you created. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.